Hello, and welcome to the Book Speaks podcast, where the book speaks for itself. I'm your host, Benjamin Douglas, and this is the show where each week I read a chapter from a different indie author. Thanks for joining me for today's reading. Hi, readers and writers alike. This is Benjamin Douglas for the Book Speaks podcast, where the book speaks for itself. Today is episode number 43. Woo! If you're in it for the long haul, thanks for sticking around. If you've just discovered the show, I invite you to go back, check out the backlist. It's all there at uh, http colon slash slash thebookspeakspodcast.wordpress.com. We're also up on YouTube and iTunes. Every week, I read a chapter from a different indie author, and today I'll be reading from fantasy author Craig A. Price Jr. I'm very excited about this. Um, Craig is a guy I've been aware of for a little while, seems really friendly, seems to be making a lot of really good moves as he gets his indie author career off the ground, up and running. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit more about all that, but before we do... I'm going to begin, as always, by reading Craig's Amazon author bio. So this is for Craig A. Price Jr. Craig A. Price Jr. is the author of The Crimson Claymore, an epic fantasy adventure novel that has garnered millions of reads, was featured in fantasy, had more than 17,000 votes, and more than 1,000 comments and reviews on the social networking platform for readers and writers, Wattpad. Visit his website at www.craigaprice.com. Then he's got links as well for Facebook and Twitter. His Twitter, by the way, is just twitter.com slash Jr. with no periods or spaces, obviously. Wattpad, uh, wattpad.com slash user slash Price. Reviews of the Crimson Claymore when it was on Wattpad. And then he has a link to um, a landing page on his own site with reviews. And that is the whole thing. So um, a really succinct and very interesting um, author bio there because it's really kind of pointing at his Wattpad presence. And I get the impression that he got his first big fantasy novel, The Crimson Claymore, up and running from Wattpad. Uh, But he's been doing some more stuff since then. Craig, uh, I believe, was just successful with, uh, and Craig, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was a USA Today run. I think he's a USA Today bestselling author now from an anthology, which is pretty sweet. Craig, get on that. Put that in your bio, buddy. (laughs) It's pretty awesome, man. Um, He's got a new fantasy series up and running as well, and he has two books out, I think, in the Crimson Claymore trilogy. That is, uh, the Crimson Claymore and the Obsidian Arrow. Oh, and pardon me, the name of the trilogy is Claymore of Calthoria. Today I'll be reading chapter one from that first book, The Crimson Claymore, and this was the one that was on Wattpad for so long. So you can, uh, if you enjoy what you hear today, I highly recommend that you visit either Craig's website or his Amazon author page. And as always, I'll have links to both in the show notes. I'm looking at his author page right now and he's got a lot of stuff up. And what's cool is um, he's in a couple of anthologies and he's got some of these short stories up 
for free. It looks like they might be perma-free um, in addition to his full-length works. So definitely worth checking out if you're interested in, in uh, a fantasy, epic fantasy, action, adventure, fantasy. All right, so um, Craig, I, I love this story because usually I find authors on K-boards. <laughs> but actually, I encountered Craig through the live chats for the Science Fiction and Fantasy Marketing Podcast, which, if you've been listening to this show, you know is far and away my favorite show. Um, I love that show. I listen to it religiously <laughs> every week. <laughs> And when school is going, uh, since I'm a professor and I teach night classes, I can't actually catch it live very often. But when I can catch it live on break, oh man, is it great. And I recommend you check it out live. It's on Tuesday evenings, usually at, uh, I guess, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's 8 p.m. for me because I'm Central U.S. And they have a, a live YouTube stream with a live chat. And that chat sometimes is just as great as the actual show. <laughs> well, what's really cool about it is you can ask live questions of the, the hosts and they'll relay those sometimes to each other or to whoever they're interviewing. You can interact. Usually Jeff, Jeffrey Poole, moderates the chat, but Lindsay and Joe are often kind of in there as well, saying hi and kind of seeing what's going on. And um, I've, I've made, uh, well, you know, I've made some really cool professional friendly connections with some peers through that chat. One of whom is Craig A. Price Jr., uh, though I hesitate to call him a peer since he's a little ahead of me. <laughs> he's been doing this since it looks like 2015 is when he put Crimson Claymore in its entirety on Amazon. Um, so anyway, there's my plug for the Science Fiction and Fantasy Marketing Podcast. I'm sure Craig won't mind me putting that plug in here because I know he's also a super fan. And I get the impression from some of his comments that, like me, he's also a Baroker super fan. So real quick, second plug, if you haven't read any of Lindsay Baroker's new books in her Dragonblood world yet, I'm talking about the Heritage of Power series. You need to get on that because these are great books. <laughs> it's pulling me right back to fantasy from science fiction, which was perfect for today. Since today's reading is fantasy, you're going to hear about some kind of a magical weapon called a claymore, which I assume is a sword. You're going to hear about a wizard with a staff. You're going to hear about reptilian enemy things. The, the scene opens right away with kind of a high action fight. So I read a little more quickly than usual, just sort of trying something new. Hey, I'd appreciate some feedback if I'm reading too quickly or not quickly enough, let me know. <laughs> you can comment uh, on the show notes if you like, or find me on Twitter. I'm at CantankerousBen, or comment on YouTube. Anyway, without any further ado, I really hope you're enjoying the show. We're going to go ahead and cut into that reading now. One last plug for Craig. He seems like a really cool guy. Really nice guy. He's reaching out to other indie authors. He's making moves. He's in anthologies. He's talking about starting a podcast of his own, potentially this year, and writing some science fiction. So follow this guy. He is an author of interest. Without any further ado, here is my reading from the first chapter, performed, as always, with the permission and consent of the author, and not from an official audiobook, though I've been told an audiobook is forthcoming from The Crimson Claymore by Craig A. Price, Jr. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you again next week. 
the Crimson Claymore. Claymore of Calthoria, Book One, by Craig A. Price, Jr. Chapter One. Siron's claymore was in his hands, glowing red, sparkling as he twirled it about to deflect blows from axes all around him. And yet, even as he defended himself against the black-scaled reptilian drakes, the blazing orange eyes he saw in his dreams the night before were still the only thing on his mind. He felt as if those eyes were watching him still, and he could almost swear to have seen them through the thick forest enveloping him. Three drakes lay dead on the ground. The stench of distilled vinegar and rotten eggs brought an awful taste in his mouth, taking away the scent of pine he treasured so much. Only two of the creatures remained, both cunning warriors, but frightened at his skill with a blade. He didn't understand why he had such a hard time killing the savage creatures. For the past three years, Siron had been slaughtering a few each and every day, yet it never seemed like it would be enough. There was only one of him, and there seemed to be thousands of the wretched creatures. Sometimes it felt as if they would never be destroyed, but would keep coming back to haunt him in his nightmares. He charged the two drakes in front of him, focusing all his rage for the creatures. Anger bled from Siron's veins to his clenched fists, passing through them and into his claymore as it grew brighter and brighter with such ferocity casting a crimson gleam to his weapon, which nearly blinded, even to himself. Siron's blade only glowed while being used, almost appearing as if on fire. The crimson claymore felt cool to the touch, but its steel proved harder than any other sword. And, if Siron pushed it a certain way, it could fracture any other metal it came to contact with. Each of the creatures blocked his incoming strikes with such precision, baffling him. He tried changing the degree at which he slashed the blade, but the attempt seemed even more useless than what he had tried before. A flash of orange stole his attention as he gazed into the oak trees beyond. Before he even heard the click of the crossbow, he felt the searing heat of a bolt puncturing his left shoulder. Gritting his teeth over a shout of pain, Siron tried to shake off the tingling burn which ran through his veins. He stepped forward ready to finish off the bloodthirsty beasts. Now three stood in front of him, two with axes held high, and another farther back with a crossbow in its grasp. He stood calm, teeth bared, 
soaked by raindrops under a blanket of storm clouds, while thunder rattled the ground around him. His boots felt slick against the wet leaves and mud, yet he held his ground. He took a step back, sheathing his claymore in its scabbard. The two creatures in front rushed at him now since he stood weaponless. He quickly ducked before leaping away from them as the third, with a crossbow, locked a bolt into place. One drake brought its axe down towards Siron's head. He reached up to grab the weapon as another bolt pierced his forearm. His teeth clenched as a great moan of anguish escaped his mouth, but he did not let go. Despite the agony, he continued forward, allowing his rage to turn his pain into numbness. He kicked the drake in the gut, causing it to drop its weapon, which he snatched before it hit the ground. Siron twirled the axe in his hands before chopping the overgrown lizard's scaly skull in two. Closing his eyes, Siron heard the crunch of scales and bone. Grimacing, the warrior wiped from his face the black ooze filling his nostrils with the scent of spoiled milk and vinegar. The other drake charged at Siron, delivering swift blows which struck in such an odd pattern, making it difficult for Siron to deflect. He let the handle of the axe slide down his hands as he blocked another attack. Siron spun the axe around, feeling the imbalance of the weapon, and used the blunt side to slam into the creature's knee. A loud ding in his left ear echoed from where an arrow struck his crimson and silver helm. The drake in front of him collapsed to his injured knee in the mud, clearly defeated at the hand of Siron. Before Siron finished the creature, the warrior stared deep into its soulless red eyes with such hatred the wretched reptile nearly flinched. Siron nodded approval at the defeated creature's distress before slashing its throat, causing thick ebony blood to pour down the creature's body before it collapsed onto the ground. Siron turned to the remaining drake still holding a crossbow, and heaved the axe at its throat with inhuman speed. The reptile stepped aside with only millimeters to spare, and the axe pierced into the side of an oak tree, its handle wobbling from sheer velocity. Without a moment to spare, Siron ran forward, tackling the creature before it had a chance to reload its crossbow. They wrestled for a moment, the lizard's sharp yellow teeth unable to puncture Siron's armor. Drawing from his superhuman strength and speed, Siron grappled with the drake a minute longer before growing bored with the struggle and rolling away while unsheathing his claymore. 
The creature, timid, attempted launching one last bolt toward Siron's face. Swiftly, and without much effort, Siron curved his blade to intercept the bolt's tip, causing it to ricochet away, but the shaft still found its way to Siron's face, smacking against his jaw. His chin throbbed, and a deep red welt began to form. He sliced the creature's crossbow in half with arrogance, and took another step forward where, with a sneer, he sliced its reptilian head from its shoulders. He groaned heavily, sheathed his claymore, fell to his knees in the mud, and thanked the Creator. When he opened his eyes, he noticed those same orange eyes which had been so unsettling in his dreams the night before. No longer did he dream of them, but they floated in front of him, growing closer. The thundering ceased with the rain. Chirping birds and squeaking crickets had been the only sounds breaching the silence surrounding him. An elderly man appeared from the shadows between the trees, startling Siron. Despite his keen hearing and sight, he never saw nor heard the old man approaching. Long, wispy salt and pepper hair graced the stranger's shoulders, falling in thick, curly strands. A raggedy brown robe draped past his shoulders to his feet, where he wore thick brown leather boots. He walked with the aid of a tall, thick wooden bark-hued staff, and seemed to be made of hardened wood, which nearly resembled glass. The tip of the weapon, as Siron saw it, had five curled limbs, which reminded him of fingers clawing for an unknown object. Siron clenched the hilt of his claymore, watching wearily as the old man approached him, radiant orange eyes glowing brighter with each step. Put that blade away, you fool, the old man said. Who are you? Siron asked, staring deep into the man's demonic orange eyes. Someone who is much more attractive and much smarter than you are, the old man said with a gravelly voice. You are asking for it, old man. Siron's eyes narrowed in frustration. No, if I were asking for it, I would simply ask. However, you may call me Karkalis, he said, folding his arms over his staff and grinning with lowered eyebrows. You must be wandering in the wrong forest. There are drakes all through here, 
Siran said, in an attempt to frighten him off. Karkalis kept his smile. You underestimate me, boy. Besides being more attractive and smarter than you, I'm also exceedingly stronger. Siran grew tired of the old man now, and the way he talked without the slightest hint of respect in his voice. He studied the man's face, full of hard lines, a strong, rounded jaw, swirling flames of orange for eyes, and, although he seemed aged, his wrinkles made him appear more wise than old. "'What do you want?' Siran asked, growing weary of the old man and ready to be on his way. "'Some help. I'm looking for someone to start a war, and I've found you.' "'That is a lovely horse. I haven't seen one with black and white stripes before, especially so large.' he said. Siran turned to see his black and white striped stallion approaching, saddle and bags secured tightly, the mighty steed apparently oblivious to the old man. It nuzzled his cheek against Siran's palm, which the warrior stroked before climbing atop the magnificent beast. He's one of a kind. He glanced away from his horse to the old man. I want no part of any war, Siran said. I'm afraid it's too late. Karkali's eyes wandered off as if searching for something. Siran began to wonder what the old man went on about, but before he came to an answer, four drakes jumped out from the trees with axes raised. He raised his claymore to block an incoming blow at the same time. Karkalis raised his staff, blocking the strike of the axe. Siran found it strange when the axe didn't slice through the wood, but the old man blocked it, creating sparks with his staff as if it were metal. Karkalis swiftly moved his staff with ease, blocking every strike by the drakes, and adding offensive parries of his own at an ungodly speed. Siran, already in a weakened state, had a tough time battling the drakes. They outmaneuvered him, and then one struck him in the knee, causing him to fall off his horse. Siran continued to fight from a kneeling position, overcoming a drake to strike it down. As he did, an incoming blow came from behind. He wasn't fast enough to catch the strike. An axe sank into his shoulder, forcing him to fall flat on the ground, his face in the dirt. Siran tasted crunchy leaves with a bit of blood in his mouth. Karkalis slew his drake before raising his staff to point at the last two creatures by the warrior. 
Siran rolled over to stare at the two lizards above him as a swirl of orange flame escaped the tip of Karkalese's cane to toss the two drakes at lightning speed into a thick tree. Their piercing screams were the last sounds of their existence. Karkalis gimped over to Siron, offering his hand. The fallen warrior hesitated. Sighing deeply, Siron accepted the help and got to his feet with the old man's aid. He looked around to see four dead drakes, and his eye twitched when he looked at Karkalis. What are you? Siron asked, tilting his head. He studied the old man, noticing his deep brown cloak covered his tan robes with a hood. The old man's eyes were no longer orange, but a dark brown, flickering with slight hues of orange every few seconds. With his tangled salt-and-pepper hair, he looked strange without a beard to warm his face. It became custom for most of the older men of the land to grow beards, but this man seemed to make a point of keeping it shaved. I am a wizard. As I have said, I am stronger than you. Karkalis said, lowering his cane to rest upon it. Astonishment came to Siron, as he'd only heard rumors and stories of wizards. If they'd ever existed, they were supposed to have gone extinct at the same time as the dragons. He couldn't be sure if the old man told the truth or not, because he had never seen a true wizard, or knew what they looked like. The only thing he remembered was that they wore robes and cloaks and held a staff. It had also been known that their power resembled their eyes and robes. However, Siron considered how ridiculous orange robes would look upon the strange old man. What is that? Siron asked, pointing to the large wooden scepter. It was the plainest weapon he'd ever seen holding so much power. This is called a xylek, which means channel of energy. It is customary for wizards to carry one so we can focus our power instead of using it blindly. Karkalis smiled. It also shows how much smarter I am than you. Now you can make a comment about how great-looking I am, and all three things I've said about myself being more superior than you can fall right into place. I don't know how your mind works, old man but no woman would find you attractive ahead of me. Siron beamed at the old man's confidence. We'll just have to see about that, Karkalis said, taking a step towards Siron and twirling his xylek with his strong, wrinkled 
hands. Aren't you supposed to have orange robes? Or are the stories false that match powers with robes? My robes are orange. Siron looked again. They're old. And dirty. Why do they have to be the same color? Siron asked. If not, the magic that burns through me will burn through whatever clothes I wear. Therefore, wizards have learned to wear the same color, lest we wander naked. Are there a lot of wizards? Siron asked, watching the old man closely, unsure if he could trust him. I am the last one left of Calthoria, who is worth a grain of salt, Carcules explained. The wizard raised his xylac inspecting it closely, and watched with concentration as it transformed from brown to orange. Are there more lands across the seas? Siron asked, never having heard such tales about other continents. He was sure it was plausible, and he heard some tales of people traveling to other continents, but he hardly believed those stories. There ought to be. How else might the Keshlars have migrated here? Karkalis said, pulling his hair out of his glowing eyes and raising his eyes at Siron. There are Keshlars here? Where are they? Siron asked. His heart raced. I've only heard stories of Keshlars showing up here and there, but never knew there were any here. Tales of Keshlars traveled across the land, but none had ever been seen, and Siron hadn't been sure it was any more than a story. His past few years had been filled with relentless traveling through human villages and cities, searching for drakes to slay. He had never come across any Keshlars. He stroked his horse's mane as he pondered these thoughts. There's an entire section of their territory deep in the forest here in Calthoria. They have a capital called Sudagam, Karkules said. That is unreal, Siron said, trying to remember the old stories of Keshlars he had heard. What is unreal is a foolish man trying to seek out all the drakes of this land by himself. The drakes of this land more than triple the number of humans, Carcules said with confidence. Don't preach to me, wizard. I can handle myself, Siron said, gritting his teeth. Talking to the old wizard had grown exhausting, and he grew tired of wasting time. Everybody has problems with the drakes, boy. You're not the only one who has lost something because of them, Carcules said, as he sighed and drooped his head to one side. I don't know how you know so much about me, wizard. I live my own life. I don't need you telling me what is stupid or not, Siron murmured reminiscing on his haunted past. He wondered if he had been transparent to the wizard. 
he would have to do better guarding his emotions. You don't need anyone to tell you that facing them alone is stupid, boy. You already know that. This is another reason why I am much smarter than you. Carcales smirked, expanding his chest to show his masculinity. Ciron clenched his eyes and held back his anger, remembering his family and how much he missed them. Despite what you think, I will not quit hunting the drakes. I'm not asking that you do. I'm merely suggesting that you be smarter about it, Carcoles said, holding his Xylac from his body and letting it glow the brightest orange. Flashing swirls of orange magic enveloped the top of it. Those swirls seemed to dance. And how is that? Siron asked. He became interested in any information which would lead to the death of Drakes. Go to the Keshlars and ask for their help. There is a great war coming soon, and if you humans can get the Keshlars to ally with you, you can defeat the Drakes once and for all, Carcules said. The swirls cascaded out from the Xylec before disintegrating into the crisp air. From what I heard about the Keshlars, they do not ally themselves with anyone who is not Keshlar, Siron said, remembering the stories of old. It was often said to ask a Keshlar for help would be like asking for a woman to be quiet during the birth of her son. You must try, Carcules pleaded, eyes less focused and more concerned watery in the sunlight. You are mad, wizard. I must do nothing. You cannot burst into my life and make demands of me. Now leave me be, Siron said, before putting his claymore back into its scabbard and turning away. Actually, I can, and I have. You will go to Sudagam, and you will ask for the aid of the Keshlars in the upcoming war against these reptilian creatures, the wizard said with hardened eyes and pursed lips. I will not. What war? A leader has risen. It is time we have one as well. Carcules raised his Xylec, and orange magic trickled from it, catching Siron's plate mail on fire, burning through to his flesh. He dropped to the ground, rolling until the fire put itself out in the brush, but the hot metal still burned against his flesh. Fool, do you think torture is going to work on me? Siron growled. He could always handle pain. He had already lost everything he cared about, and physical pain meant nothing to him anymore. Yes. Yes, I do. Carcules smirked deceivingly. Another swirl of orange magic flowed from his Xylec to freeze Siron in a block of solid orange ice.
he was still conscious as he stared at the wizard in disbelief, his eyes shifting, but his body unmovable. Carcales shook his head, allowing his tangled white and gray hair to seemingly float in a breeze of magic. Some fools never learn. This concludes another episode of the Book Speaks podcast, where the book speaks for itself. Thanks for joining me, your host, Benjamin Douglas, for another indie author reading. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit http colon slash slash thebookspeakspodcast.wordpress.com for more episodes and for links to the author's website and the author's Amazon author page in the show notes. If you'd like to follow me on my own author journey, you can find me at http colon slash slash benjamindouglasbooks.wordpress.com And of course, if you're an indie author interested in having your work featured on the show, or if you're interested in discussing having your book read and produced by me as an audiobook, feel free to contact me at benjamindouglasbooks at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you have a productive and enjoyable weekend.